I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20. And we're going to read this together. Just going to jump in right now. And I'm going to kind of just take it slow here for a moment. And again, if, you've, if I've read this before with you, just, just walk with it together. It's one of my favorite scriptures. One of my favorite um, 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 chapters in the Bible. Because what it deals with is um, godly people who revealed to us that they were, they were just like us. And it's difficult because, and I say this at times, but when I used to read the Bible in my earlier days, and even at times now, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm unfair to myself. I'm unfair to me and my commitment level. I'm unfair to my ideas. I'm unfair to my, um, my ability to, to seek out and um, to overcome things, to, um, to be able to attain such a level of faithfulness that these great, great men and women of the Bible, they, they found themselves in. And when I read this, though, I realize, wait, 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 wait. They were just like us, living in unique times with lots of questions and imperfect. Amen? Imperfect. Uh, I know that there are moments where we think, well, we should have all the answers. But the reality is, is the God chose imperfect people. We can look throughout the scripture and find everybody that we can, we, we hail as a great, great person of faith. At some point in their life, they had a struggle. They had a, a deficiency. That should make you feel good today. Some of you walked in feeling like, man, I've just got nothing together. Well, here's the good news. I look throughout the Bible and I find that none of these people had anything together either. To be perfectly honest with you, they were, they were all a mess. We had a man after God's own heart peering over a balcony looking at a woman who was bathing. Everybody's a mess at some point in your life, amen? I know you think that we can't talk about those times because that's David's, that's in his past. No, that's in the structure of the man that the Lord used to do many, many things. We have, a, we have an apostle Paul that we can say persecuted Christians. He came, went from murderer to missionary. I know we don't talk about the past so much, but I've got good news for you is your past oftentimes is desiring to set you up for what the Lord desires to do in your life. And so I sometimes limp into church, sometimes tired and weak and emotionally distraught, and the Lord says, you're exactly where I need you to be. Amen? Man, I'm going I'm to read with you here. It says, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark until the sepulcher, and she sees the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Now, just to pause real fast, and, and Brooklyn's going to help me out in the back, follow along, but we already know, many of us already know what the setting is. We already see exactly where we're at. This is a setting where um, when you see the, when you, when you talk about Mary coming to the, to the stone, you talk about um, the stone taken away, you can, you can quickly assert that this is the, um, after crucifixion, this is the tomb. And so now we have the setting, we know what's going on, and then I want you to kind of bring in all the personalities that we're about to get introduced to. Uh, the Bible says in verse 2, verse uh, 2 of, of John 20, and just to, just to give you an understanding of the writer as we get ready to move forward, John wrote this differently. John wrote this, uh, this the approach 
of this gospel in a different way than, than the others would write it. You can break it down and understand the writers all had their own perspective and the way that they would think. And, and it'd be the same thing if I were to go um, onto a, you know, uh, look at, a, at a, someone's building a house. When I walk into a house, I see certain things. As I, if I went to uh, Blake and Brittany Loy's house, I'm looking and seeing things that I am looking for, and he's probably looking. When he walks into a house that's not his and he doesn't know who wired it, he's making sure the wiring makes sense. And now that he's done all he's done, he's making sure the framing looks right. He's making sure this looks right. He's making sure that, well, I, I, I like what they did here, but I don't know if they're going to like what they did there. And so a lot of times your perspective, when you now have experienced something or you're trying to portray something, the way you write oftentimes is re, uh, uh, related, obviously, to what you're trying to offer to somebody. And so the writer's all wrote similar accounts as best they could, but they wrote from their own understanding and their own perspective. That's why you have four gospels of many times the same stories, but yet there's many different little parts of it. It's because that John looked, didn't see just the good man, but John started his whole book with in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And he writes in verse 14, he very, very pointedly writes, that word was made flesh. So what was in the beginning took on flesh, robed himself in flesh, and dwelt among us. So everything we read about John is from the understanding that he had a revelation. Not just that there's a good man named Jesus, but he had a revelation. There's a God man named Jesus. He is him robed in flesh. And so when he writes this, he writes this with an understanding that's beyond just here's what took place. He writes it from the understanding that I need to tell you what he did. But yet he writes all the, all the beautiful things about the details we need to know. And this is something that he did not need to leave out. But also we find in John's gospel that John was just a man. Just a man. He was just one of the guys. Isn't it amazing? She, she, she sees a stone taken away. She runs as fast as she can. The Bible says she runs and she comes to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, by the way, whom Jesus loved. Now, now the reason why it's written that way is because the Gospels very rarely use their own names. They, give, they, they would give themselves a title. They would, they would give themselves a, a great title and they want to be remembered as this person and, and so they would write in the sense that there's a little mystery there, but yet they would write, and, and John decides that I'm not just going to have a little mystery, but I'm going to hook myself up for a long time here. I was the one whom Jesus loved. That was me. I mean, there's, there's kind of like a little bit of a saying around the Price household that when I would come home, they would say, well, now we're going to do cashew chicken because Paul came home. Mia, stop shaking your head so hard. Um, but no, I, I, they, I, now we're going to do it. Mom didn't feel like it, but now we're going to do it. Well, I'm the one she cooked cashew chicken for. That's the way I put that on my tombstone. I tell Tara a lot of times, on my tombstone, just make sure it said he picked up heavy things. Because she'll come home and she'll say, hey, can you move that chair for me? And it's like the heaviest chair in the world. She'll say, hey, I found something at the flea market. Can you go get it for me? And I walk in and it's a huge ancient antique piece where somewhere along the way someone said if we fill the bottom with concrete it'll make it prettier 
And so I, I literally, like, just put on, that's what I, I've got memories for the rest of my life of that's who I am. So I'm the one to my mom, she cooked check, cashew chicken for, and I'm the one to my wife, simply just in life, he picked up heavy things. But John said, I want to make sure that we understand, I'm the one whom Jesus loved. And John, we write this, we, we, he's writing this, and so he's the other disciple. And said unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid uh, laid him. Uh, but Peter therefore went forth, and it says, and that other disciple, who's the other disciple? There you go, John, everybody's a little bit unsure, but you can say it right now together, a one, two, three. There you go. And came to the sepulchre. So here we go. Peter and John go together. He's writing this. And John decides to just kind of get some things out of the way. So they ran both together. And the other disciple, who was John, did outrun Peter. We find here that John could not help himself. He decides to show his humanity. John starts writing in this book. Yeah, crazy things were happening. She runs as fast as she can. She comes and she says, his body's not there. His body's not there. And he said, I looked at Simon Peter and said, we got to go. And I took off running. And I noticed I was running by myself. And I looked back and thought, where is he at? And I ran and I ran. And I was got there as quick as I could. And I looked way down the road and he was so tired. That slow, slow guy that would deny him three times. How in the world does he even get in the inner circle? How John's writing these things and saying he was slow and and it's not only did he say he outran him, and he says, I came first because he wants to put, as we talked about, salt, salt in the wound a little bit. That not only do you, when you outrun somebody, you outrun them, but you get there first. Thank you, Brother John, for telling us again how it worked. Verse 5, it says, he stooping down and looking in, saw and enclosed. Yet he went, in, went not in. Why did he not go in? Then finally... I can't help but believe that when John was writing this, he was kind of like, <laughs> finally, do, do, I, do I put like 20 minutes later or do I leave it alone? I'll leave it alone. Finally, uh, following him, and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie. And it goes on, verse 7, the napkin that was about his head. So the other disciple came finally, and, and uh, okay, the napkin that was about his head, but wrapped together in a place by itself. In verse 8, here we go. Then went in also that other disciple... Which came, came first, and he saw and believed. So here we have, the struggle with this is that, is that we find that people are going to always, always be people. And there's always going to be the temptation for a little bit of a competition to rise up amongst the people. It's always going to be that way. And I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody, but I mean, when I go to the, when I go to the um, dessert stand here at the church, and I see there's like three pecan pies, it's a big decision. i got to find out where the source is. Because I'm no, not, not picking on anybody else, but if I know Kathy Logan, Loden made a, uh, a pecan pie, I better know right now which one it is. Not that I don't like yours. It's just that I really, really, really like her pecan pie. Years and years of not liking pecan pie, and I've got to seriously work through the emotional damage of not knowing how good it was for years. 
So I've got to get caught up. But the reality is there's always going to be competition. I know there's not really much of that here, but the reality, the struggle is, is that we oftentimes look at what someone possesses versus what we have, or we look at what someone else has done versus what we've done. We oftentimes look at what this is going on or that's going on, and we struggle with it. And so we find ourselves a little bit in the John and some of Peter's frame of mind where the, 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 the thing that I struggle with in this whole thing is that I don't find anywhere in this text, these first 20 verses, I mean, first eight verses of chapter 20 where it says, When she came, we realized real quick what was going on, and we knew that he said he was going to rise again. We knew he said that he wasn't going to stay down. We knew that he was victorious over death, hell, and the grave. We knew this was going to take place. No, we don't get that because in the middle of miracles, we oftentimes we have, we have people that rise up and show personalities and agendas and desires and flesh starts appearing and we can have the miraculous taking place. We can mourn a Savior on a hill days ago and then fight about that a few days later. Why? Because people will be people but my struggle is, is where was the fact that they should have said, he got back up, he rose again, he's out of the grave, the good things are happening, great things are taking place, we're seeing new people, we're seeing a harvest, we're seeing broken be mended, we're seeing, we're seeing, we're seeing. You will not see that when somebody is so enamored with flesh and competition. You'll never see that. I'm not beating up on John. No, I'm talking about how God chose to use somebody who had the revelation. We claim to be people oftentimes of revelation. We act like we know him, but we oftentimes do not act like we are with him. And so we've got to be careful to not begin to start looking at others and saying, well, they're slower than me. They're not as fast as me. They don't know as much as me. They don't, they don't understand as much as me. They don't, they don't have it like I've got it. They don't love him like I love him. They don't sing like I sing. They don't do them. I mean, I'm, I'm not, don't worry, I'm not going to talk about, if I were going to talk about it, I would say this. We don't sing the songs like the old days. We don't do it like the old days. I'm not going to do that, so don't worry. I'm not going to do it. The reality is, is that we missed out on their first reaction to him getting up. And we got people problems. John 21, verse 15. John 21 and verse 15 is, is, is a little bit after he's appeared to them. It's, there's a few times where he appeared to them, the road to Emmaus, and this moment right here where he appears to them. And, and this is after his resurrection. And, and they weren't too sure exactly how to go about this. But when they had dying, uh, Jesus said to Simon Peter, now they're, they're on the beach now. They've come off of this, this, these waters that were worked up, and, and they've, had, they've had fear, they've had worry, they've had all the stuff, but now, now they've, they've, they've found themselves sitting there, and Jesus is working with them, and they've, they've had the greatest haul they've ever had, and they're having a little bit of a, a Brother Moss showed up in this moment, they're having a fish fry, and that's not in the Bible, I just decided to make sure you're listening, um, but still not funny, okay, but so when they're dying, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now, there's much debate on what these were, what, what these were. And, and he said to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto them, Feed my lambs, which you've heard before, but is a euphemism for saying, Take care of my people. In other words, take care of what I love. Take care of the people. 
So we asked him this his first time, and now here's the second time in verse 16. He said unto him a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, okay, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Now, this is kind of like reminding me of when we were at 2044 Lane Circle, and I'd be outside playing basketball, and Mark would be in the creek catching snakes and alligator snapper turtles being like, hey, look here, what, this is kind of cool. And we'd be doing all this stuff, and Mom would say, did you clean your room? We'd say, yeah, Mom, we cleaned our room. And she'd say, okay, what? Did you clean your room? And we'd say, she's getting old. She can't really hear that well. We cleaned it. But here's the problem. When mom would say, Paul Marvin, did you clean your room? I just realized maybe she went in that little closet, the closet that Mark and I and Bethany shared where Rich had the mighty great closet in the other room. Rich had the nice queen bed and we had the, it was tough. They would slide food under the door and say, no, I'm just joking. They didn't do that. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm joking, mom. I'd realized that moment she looked behind the shoe boxes and found all my dirty clothes, or she realized that I just recycled clean clothes into the laundry because I didn't want to fold them. Lord, forgive me for what I've done. The Lord asked him a second time, but here's the problem is when the Lord asks a third time, Verse 17, he asked him a third time, Simon, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved. Now this switches. He totally switches and becomes something else. The shiny, he goes from this place of like kind of just enjoying his food, and now he sits up. He looks at him. He was grieved because he said unto him a third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, now notice, with, notice his change of posture here. He says unto him, Lord, Thou knowest all things. This statement is not one that should just be a run-on together. This statement is two statements in one, I believe, because he's declaring that you now know something I didn't know you knew. But I'm trying to tell you, in the midst of all I'm facing, all I'm going through, I also love you. What he's declaring in this moment is that I'm near you, but I'm struggling. Let me just tell you real fast, it's okay to be near him, and be struggling. Just, just stay near him. I want you to hear me right now. It's okay to be near him and be facing a mountain. Just stay near him. It's okay to be, it's okay to say, I've been in this 50 years, but be struggling. Just stay near him. Stay near him. The Lord says, Yes, I do know all things, is what he's saying in this moment. Simon Peter looks at him and says, You know all things. I'm trying my best to show you that I love you, but I'm going through some stuff. And Simon Peter, being a man that was rash, that oftentimes overreacted, a man that oftentimes said things before he thought, a man that oftentimes was quick to assert himself, a man that oftentimes was looked at as being somebody that was, that was, was eager to jump out of the boat and jump. But let me tell you real fast, you never walk on water unless you get out of the boat. So it's, it's sometimes, it sometimes takes people that's going to say, no, I'm staying here, I'm going to paddle. Other times it takes some people to jump out of the boat and just see if the Lord's going to do a work. We've got to have both, but Simon Peter was struggling because although he was eager to go, he was also looking around, and he was seeing the ministry of John. He was seeing the ministry of all those that were near him. He was seeing their, their, their good works and all they were doing, but yet here he was struggling because as much as he wanted to be used, he was struggling in that he used to be successful in fishing, and now his home is in question. His family's going through it, and now, now the Lord has been 
crucified. He's lost. Do I go back and do this or do I stay here and do that? And I don't know what's going to happen with my life, but also I'm seeing them and all they're doing and I'm seeing this one and all he's doing and I don't know what this means for me. You know all things, but you also have to know that I love you. But it's just a tough time right now. If you and I were writing this right now, we would, we would be the type of conversation, how you doing? I'm okay. No, how are you really doing? And that moment right there when you break and you say, I'm doing good, but I'm going through it right now. There's questions. I don't know how all this is going to work together. I've got questions, and I, I know he's here, and I know he's faithful, and I know he's right. But the reality is, is I feel as if I'm sitting on the beach with him, and he's cooking fish for me, but yet I've got questions. But I love you. You've been there, and I've been there. We faced it together where the mountain is so great and you know he can move it but you just aren't sure if you're ready to pray the prayer yet because you're contemplating things you're reflecting on things and Simon Peter says I love you you know all these things and here, here's what he says simply this the Lord responds and says feed my sheep in other words, I know you've got questions. I know you've got, you've got moments where you don't know what to do, but he didn't say anything that was mind-boggling in the, in the sense of the words. He said three words, which is, was his response every time, but now he breaks through to a new place, and he remains in the same posture, and he says, feed my sheep. Take care of my people. Love my people. Feed the young, feed the old, be kind, be generous, listen and care, preach to them and love them. Verse 18 says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth your hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. In other words, here's kind of how it's going to happen. You're going to grow old, and this spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, Jesus responds, or speaks to him, I'm sorry, and says simply these two phrases. He says, follow me. Follow me. This is what he speaks and he says to him, follow me. Joe, come here real fast if you can. I said real fast though, by the way. Just kidding, just kidding. I appreciate, I appreciate this guy, but he, st- he says to him, follow me. And so, 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 so Simon Peter, I mean, and Jesus says to follow him and Jesus starts walking away. And, and, and the Bible says that Simon Peter begins and then, he, then Jesus notices what he does. And notice, by the way, let me just pause you for a moment and remind you who, how do we have all this information? Don't go out that door. Don't, how, do, how do we have all this information? How do we have this conversation? Who was recording it? The competition. This whole conversation is going, and John's kind of moved from the conversation he was in. He's making notes, and now Jesus looked at him, and he asked him three. He would never have to ask me that three times. This guy right here, I cannot wait to tell the others about this. Writing this down. 
And the Lord looks at him and talks about how he's going to die. This is getting good. Writes all this down. Then he sees Jesus stand up, and he notices it, and John looks. He doesn't know what to do, so he grabs his stuff as fast as he can, and he sees Simon Peter get up, and Simon Peter start walking, and John decides to jump up, and he begins to walk, and he sees Simon Peter stop in the middle, and Simon Peter looks at him, and he stands there, and, and this is when the moment happens. In verse 20, it says simply this, then Peter, turning about, sees the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, which also leaned on his breast at the supper. John decides to fit some things in here. He decides, I'm going to make sure they know who I was. When you look at that picture, know that that was me. And I also knew who was going to betray him. And Peter, verse 21, seeth him and saith simply this, Lord, what shall this man do? Now, Jesus asked him to follow him. In other words, walk away from everything you're dealing with right now. Walk away and just follow me. Just walk with me. Don't get caught up in the stuff. But Simon Peter's caught in the middle of competition and calling. John Michael, if you can't go over there real fast. Thank you, guys. I'm going to define real fast to you after service. We're going to talk about it. I need to meet with you guys real fast. That means in a hurry. Just kidding. Just kidding, John Michael. I never can miss an opportunity. Here's, here's, here's Simon Peter. Do I feast on my competition? Do I spend time working with my competition? The reality is, is that many of us are caught in this world of what, what do I do? What do I do? Do I walk with him or do I talk about this? Or what, do, I, do I go with him or do I focus on this? Do I, do I follow after him or do I spend time talking about the one that's writing? The one that's making this, these notes and the one that sees where I'm going. And he says to the Lord, he says as he stops, and the Lord has to stop what he's doing and stop where he's taking him. And he says simply this, he says he sees them, he sees them walking and he says, what shall this man do? What about this guy? What, what about this one? And the Lord, the Lord looks at him and I, this is where maybe the picture perfect Jesus shatters in your mind because as much as he was a savior of peace and love. He was also a man's man that could endure the scourging and the cross. And so I believe he was so impassioned to have someone that would go and preach to the people what they needed to do. I believe he had the, the, the future of mankind so much hanging in the balance he had to get Simon Peter to wake up and say, quit looking at your competition. And I believe he looked at him and he says, I want you to know something. In verse 22, if I will, if I will let him live until I come again, if he walks everywhere you walk, if he does everything you can't do, if he goes places you've never gone, I want you to know that should not matter to you. He says, what is it to you? What's it to you if they got a new car? What's it to you if their kids are flourishing? What's it to you if they have this or that? What's it to you? What does it matter? What's it to you? I just need you to follow me and walk with me and love me. Wherever he goes, let him go. But you, go where I'm going. You, walk with me. When we go here, you go. When we go there, you go. When we walk here, you go. Lead me, Joe. I want you to know, wherever he goes, whatever it is, I made up in my mind. I'm leaving competition behind. I'm leaving this
this behind. I'm leaving. Don't go ahead and just keep on walking. I want you to know you can talk about it, but I'm following Jesus. You can do it how you want, but I'm following Jesus. He said, what is it to you? What's it to you? What's it to you? You're in the balance. You're in the balance of both. You're in the balance between two worlds. You're in the balance of this and that. You're in the balance of what do we do and, and following him. You're in the balance. You don't know exactly where to go. You don't know exactly what to do. You don't know. You feel as if you had every bit of momentum in your life. But yet in the middle of all the chaos, you failed. And now you're sitting here contemplating your past. You're sitting here contemplating what happened when the cock crowed. You're sitting here wondering what and how and what took place. And you don't know what to to do and the Lord's saying to you if you'll just follow me I've got a mission for you if you'll just follow me I've got a place for you to go here's what Simon Peter didn't know in just a few short days there'd be a bunch of people gather up in an upper room and it depended on him following God he would stand there on that day. He would stand there on that day while the other disciples watched. And he would stand up and he would preach Jesus in him crucified. And when they would be so stirred to say, what? What do we do? He simply said, all I know to do is follow him. I'm going to follow him. They said, how do we follow him? He said, repent. This is the book, not me. He said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost all of a sudden the wind blew in all of a sudden things begin to change how did it happen because in the balance of competition and calling Simon Peter made the greatest decision of his life he said I don't care what they think I don't care what they say I don't care what he writes I don't care what happens I don't care I don't care. I just want Jesus. I just want to go where you're calling me to go. I don't care what it might look like. I don't care what it might seem to be. I don't care what I've had to abandon. I don't care what my preference was. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Let me tell you right now. Take it all from me, but give me Jesus. Take everything from me, but give me Jesus. Take my land. Take my barn. Take my old Toyota. Take it all from me, but give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. That's all I need, and that's all I want. I just want him. But I found out that the answer and the response to my desire to follow can oftentimes be curated in my desire to love people. The Lord was trying to tell him the answer to your struggle is to love people. He said, if you love me, you're going to love people. And he said, you know I love you. What he was saying, then quit loving your competition and start loving people. You know I love you, then feed people, then feed people, then love people, then love people, then take care of people, then, then, then crave and desire people. And I know, I know, I know, I know it's sometimes easy to like people that are like you, but I'm talking about people, God's people. I'm talking about snot-nosed little kids from the, from the other side of town. I'm talking about broken people from here and there. I'm also talking about the doctors and the dentists. I'm talking about just 
people, just people. You will know what's going to cure your struggles and cure the heartache in your life is to start loving people. Because if you love God, then you always will love His people. It's a competition or a calling today. I've got to make a decision. Jacob was left alone, and he wrestled, and he wrestled, and he wrestled. And after he was done, he realized he was not going to get any farther. And before, before the wrestling match could end, he said, like he did in verse 27, earlier on when he was begging for a blessing that was not his, he said, I need you to do something before you go. Need a blessing. And the struggle of his life was who he was and what he was and who this competition inside was. Am I who I am or do I am I striving to be something else? He had already committed this crime against his own family where he said he was this is I'm this is who I am. Fooled Isaac and he said, This is who I am. So it comes out of the moment where the, the man of God looks at him and says, okay, you want a blessing? What's your name? It's the worst question you could ask Jacob. Jacob hated who he was. He was already telling people he was somebody else. He was already, the first time we meet him, he was already acting like he was somebody else. He hated who he was. He hated the struggles he had. He hated the problems he had. He hated the dysfunctions he had. He hated wasn't saying who he was, telling people he hated it. He hated about the, 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 the skeletons in his closet and all the stuff he was dealing with. He hated it. But he had to make him in his mind, do I walk after my, my competition? I follow after my calling. He breaks himself down, almost the same type of feeling, the grieving that, fe- that, that was felt by Simon Peter on that beach that day. He feels that same moaning in his spirit, and he looks, and he's tired, he's weary, he's beat up, his ribs are hurting, his, his thigh was out of joint, and he looks up, and he says, my name, my name is hill catcher, conniver, cheater, one who stole from a brother and cheated out my father. That's who I am. He realized that it's easier to face the struggles in the presence of a Savior than it is to chime or desire competition running away from that Savior. So he says, this is what I am. And in that moment, the Lord looks at him in that moment and he says to him, your name shall no longer be Jacob. Your name shall now be Israel. You have power with God and with men. The decision, the decision to let go of that competition, to let go of all that stuff, all those things, and what the Lord was simply saying was you can have that, or you can have this, but you can't have both. I'm going to ask you right now to stand to your feet, and we're going to sing. We're going to take a moment, and I'm opening these altars right now in this house. And if you feel right now a tug in your heart, you feel right now 
God's speaking something in your life. I'm asking you to not wait. Do not wait, but I wish you'd step out from where you are and say, Lord, I need you and I desire you. God, I'm praying that you'd help me to love people. I'm praying you'd help me to follow after you. I'm praying you'd help me, Lord, to forsake competition, to forsake the wrong. But God, I want and I desire everything that is right. I love you. I've walked in, God, with emotions. I've walked in with scarring. I've walked in with hurt and I've walked in with pain, but I'm near. I've walked in with questions, but I'm near. I've walked in, God, with struggles, but I have stayed near. I've walked into this house today because I know you're able. I know you're able. I know you're able. So, God, I pray do something in my life today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Would you begin to talk to him right now? In Jesus' name, I pray, help us, God. God, I'm asking, help us right now. Yes, God. Yes, Jesus. Holy Spirit, lead us. I need you, Jesus. I need you. 